a crushes, dating, friendship and kissing podcast hosted by love amateurs Lex Croucher and Rosiana Holtz-Rojas. We are here to give you bad advice whether you want to make out with him, her, them, everybody or nobody. Send your questions to makeoutwithhim at gmail.com or use hashtag makeoutwithhim on Twitter or tweet at makeoutwithhim. If possible, please include pronouns and the name you'd like us to call you or just anonymous or runal. And if you'd like to help us with running costs, you can support our Patreon at patreon.com slash makeoutwithhim. Yay! We're back. Season two. I like that we've decided it's a thing with seasons. Listen. Do most people do that when it's just a normal podcast that runs on? I don't care, but Invisibilia do it. Okay. (laughs) And that's the quality of this podcast. But I also think it's like giving people the expectation that maybe there'll be one a year. (laughs) Like one season a year, but like we burnt out, killed ourselves. Yeah, we just, um, we were both very busy people. Yeah. And we had grand plans to have the podcast come back. Like, I think originally we were going on like a month's hiatus, but then I think. It, it just became very obvious that we were still exhausted all the time, even when we weren't doing the podcast. And that maybe doing the podcast was like tipping us over the edge into insanity. Because I got really ill. Yeah. Like we were still doing the podcast last summer. And at the end of last summer, I started getting really unwell. And then I spent basically all of winter sick. And from just from stress. <laughs> it was really healthy. Well, you I remember you saying very, because also uh, Tuttles All The Way Down was about to come out. And I was starting to yeah. get really stressed. I remember you saying at one point, which like was really clarifying to me. You just said, "I want this to be a thing we can enjoy." And yes. I said, Oh yeah, me too. Yeah, because I always we still did at that point. I feel the same way about like YouTube and just everything. Like you reach a stage where you're not enjoying yourself anymore, and it's just a thing that you do out of duty because you just feel like, "Oh, this is a thing I do," and then it's just not fun to do or listen to. And everyone can tell. Yeah, exactly. Like when you're all just like you know tired and don't really care what you're saying yeah I've, i watch a few people sometimes like especially on youtube and i'm like oh you hate this <laughs> yeah i watch old videos of mine and i'm like oh i can really tell that i was having a really bad day had no desire to be in front of the camera just filmed it and put it on the internet anyway oh, it's God. embarrassing everyone used to think that it was like part of my personality that i was really monotone mm-hmm. all the time and like just didn't have much emotion but it's just because i was tired <laughs> and i was always just that's just how i sounded in life i feel like i'm quite animated i think you're quite sprightly Mm, sprightly sprightly so since living with me yes what have you learned about me um what have i learned about you i'm bad at washing up you're bad at washing up but you watch a lot of my little pony oh my god yeah (laughs) you love my little pony i've actually moved over onto steven universe now though so that's probably a little better because steven universe is for children and adults whereas my little ponies for children and strange men who want to have sex with ponies i didn't think it was a bad thing it's just it was funny to me yeah um it's kind of like an ongoing most also because you have a projector so it made me think like um in fahrenheit 451 there's a character who just talks to her family who are like a screen on the wall it made me think of that <laughs> the ponies lot. are my family um but no i think it's been a really good living together experience we also we don't hang out enough no it's because when you live together... You don't, I know. You don't it's hang so out. Bad. It's the problem. You're like, oh, I'll just see you. I'll just yeah. walk past you in the morning. I'll just say hi to you in the evening. I spend a lot of time with Flitz, Alexis' cat. And yeah. I feel like that's like interacting with you on a second basis. <laughs> oh, man. Speaking to my familiar. It's basically like speaking to me. You probably have more of a relationship with Flitz right now than you do with me. Probably. That's really sad. I know. But I have more of a relationship with Flitz than I do with most people. 
So she threw up under my chair this morning. Oh, lovely. What a gift. I know. What a sweet angel. What else is happening in life? I don't know. I'm going to a bunch of weddings all the time. People keep getting married. They do do that. Um, Very happy for them, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) People will tend to get married, the bastards. Um, It was Eurovision as the day we're recording this. Yeah. So it'll have already happened. I'm very... This is basically my dream day because... Started out by going swimming, which makes me feel really great and smug, even if I like only swam for half an hour and don't swim very fast. Who cares? I'm swimming. That's the point. And then I had a bath, which is also part of my dreams. (laughs) All my dreams are just me in a bath. And now we're doing a podcast, which is good. And then I get to go play nerdy tabletop games all day. And then it's Eurovision and Eurovision's like the best night of the year. The thing about Eurovision that people don't know is that you can tell really bad jokes or like average jokes and you'll get like hundreds of retweets because every it's like the one night where everyone's watching something. So they'll be like, ha, I relate to that, retweet. And people are like, this seems like a very cynical view of Eurovision because I do genuinely love Eurovision. Um, but it's also a really good night to get Twitter followers just in case yes. uh, anyone out there is in the market. Eurovision and the Super Bowl, people yeah. will retweet and follow anything. Yeah. It's great. It's quality. Um, Shall we answer some questions from people? Yeah. So the first one's from Angela. Hi ladies, I am 25 and have a very delightful and wonderful boyfriend. I feel very lucky and happy to have found a true partner and companion. Having met in our early 20s, we both have had a few long-term relationships previous to meeting each other. Mine was for five years and I have zero connection to him anymore. No mutual friends, nothing. But unfortunately, my boyfriend's ex-girlfriend is lightly entwined with his friend group. We do not see her ever, but she's basically a friend of a friend's girlfriend, and we hear about her occasionally. She also pops up on my social media people to follow list often, meaning I see her photo. I regret to say that I have lightly stalked her on social media, and honestly have a hard time not comparing myself to her. Am I more successful? Is my hair prettier? Am I more fun to hang out with? My question is this, how do people not do this? I know Theodore Roosevelt, Dwight Edwards, and the Bible said, comparison is the thief of joy but they don't elaborate on how to defend against this particular thief. Help, warm regards, Angela. So we have a similar question, which I'm gonna read as well so that we can answer them at the same time. Um, It goes here, no, it doesn't go here. (laughs) It goes, hello, dearest Lex and Rosianna. I love the podcast and cannot wait to hear more. I always leave in the praise because it just makes me feel good about myself. My question is, do you both have experience with so-called Facebook stalking? I am way too curious for my own good and often find myself huddled at my desk at 2am searching names of friends who hurt me to see what they're up to now. Every time I end up much sadder than I started. I've tried many ways of stopping myself from doing it, but I just cannot stay away. Any advice would be helpful. I want to go back to a question in the first question. How do people not do this? Does anyone not do this? At least Everybody does this. I I think the only people who don't do this are like my parents who probably don't know how to do it. Yeah. And if they did know how to do it, they would do it. I say my parents, it, it feels like I'm being mean and stereotyping, but the other day my mum did do the thing where she sent me a text thinking she was Googling something. So <laughs> <laughs> it was really good. And I felt oh, kind of bad no. for laughing because it was so sweet. And I get like, I get really weird about when people make mistakes. Sometimes it really, I don't know if anyone else is like this. If people make honest mistakes, I get really sad sometimes. Like, yeah. I, I literally don't understand it. I get really over-emotional. Like, one time I was at a car boot sale and a man tried to buy, um, like, something off my mum. And it was £10 and he thought it was a pound. So he gave her a pound. 
And then she was like, oh, sorry, it's 10 pounds. And he was like, oh no, okay, that's far too much for me. And I, I mean, he didn't care. He just walked off. I have, I can't forget it. I was nine. I'm 26 now. I will never forget because it makes my heart hurt. It's like this weird, anyway, this is not the point. Because he was disappointed? Or because but he wasn't even disappointed. It's me projecting feelings on other people. Like I would feel horrible in that situation. Is that what you were? I I don't think I would even feel anyway. horrible. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. The point is, I felt I felt a little bit like that about my mum accidentally texting me a Google, but kind of also not because she thought it was funny and kind of we laughed about it. <laughs> well, over WhatsApp. I don't know. She was laughing. Um, <laughs> anyway, your mum wouldn't Facebook. Stalk. Oh my god. Sorry. Yes, my mum probably doesn't Facebook stalk, but probably would if she could, because like it's such a natural thing to want to look people up, and I totally understand the like previous girlfriends thing because it is it's really hard not to compare yourself and if we didn't have facebook we would we would still be curious and still want to find that stuff out and maybe even like ask people i think it's important to bear in mind like the kind of circumstances you usually are in when you look or at least when i start looking at other people's profiles which is not rare um it's (laughs) usually when i'm by myself it's usually in the evenings and that for me tends to be the time when my mental health is really bad yeah so if you're seeing a correlation between when your mental health is bad and the kind of environment you're in if like your mental health or what your kind of your general not even your mental health but just like your general well-being tends to be slightly more frazzled um when you're by yourself or things like that then think about ways that you can like be kind to yourself in that situation and and be like all right i'll have a check but then i'm actually going to close my computer or turn it off or whatever the you know way of getting yourself off it for a bit is and like do something different for a bit and your mind might still be working through and thinking about all of those things but at least you're not kind of feeding it and like giving it that nice blue light and like saying let's stay here in this situation for me like this isn't exactly the same but i remember that a few years ago when i was going through a breakup i found it impossible not to check that person's social media and i guess it's like a similar thing right it's like you know you shouldn't you know it's going to make you feel bad but you just do it anyway because you have to know and i found that the only way of not doing it was literally just the first time i wanted to do it i just didn't do it once and i was like i just won't do it this one time and when I realized I could get through that one time and just not do it, I was like, oh, breath of relief. I didn't do it that time. Maybe I'll do it tomorrow, but it doesn't matter. And then the next time I wanted to do it again, I just went like, oh, maybe I'll make this two times in a row that I wanted to, but I didn't. And it got to the point where I was like, oh, it's been months and I haven't done it because every time I've just been like, it's going to make me unhappy. Maybe I just won't give in to this because it, it doesn't even... For me, the like rush of curiosity, it doesn't even feel like a bad feeling when you want to do it. It just feels like this kind of like, suddenly your heart beats really fast and you're like, oh, I gotta know, I gotta know. And then you do it and then you probably feel terrible about yourself because you have like a crash. So I don't know, I, it just really helped me to kind of do it by degrees and not think like, I will completely stop doing this thing and I will cut it out, but just be like, oh, maybe today I won't. Yeah, I think that's such a good point. It's so hard when you're thinking about like stopping something overall because it's such like this, I don't know, it's like, oh, it's too big of a task, so I might as well just look now. <laughs> and then it all kind of falls down. And the other thing I will also say is that, like, websites like Facebook and so on are built to have you stay on Facebook, and they're yeah. built to have you stay on Twitter. And especially things like Facebook, which were constructed around this whole idea of, like, reuniting friends and having these university connections that you kind of go back and look at. Like, they're really structured to have you see those people you follow um, mentions on the side and look at, yeah... Um, friends people you've lost touch with and uh you know 
ex-lovers, etc. Ex-lovers. Ex-lovers. <laughs> so if you think of your ex-lover is dead by stars, great song. Um, but yeah, I, I feel like on the one hand, like hand it's kind of between finding a way to um, take a bit of accountability for it, as Lex said, like maybe stop just one time and then see if you can just stop just the next time as well. Um, but also like don't be too hard on yourself about it because you are just another person ensnared in the trap of the social internet. <laughs> I think you can, uh, I mean, I don't know if this will help because maybe you'll, I mean, you can't find ways around it. Okay. There's an app called Self Control. Oh my God, Self Control. Such a good app. So like people mostly use it for work when they're working or like doing um, schoolwork or whatever. And it's this app that, I mean, I have it on Mac. I don't know how it works on Windows, but you um, type in some websites that you're not allowed to go on and you set a timer for when you're not allowed to go on them. And there's loads of different versions of this. Like I found ones on Chrome that mean that you can only look at certain websites for a certain amount of time during the day. And then it just times them out and you literally can't reset it. You can't do anything about it. They're just like, you are not allowed on Facebook anymore. So I set it completely at work. I do lots of stuff for social media and I'll fall into the trap of social media at work because I'll be like, okay, I'm going to check the work Twitter account. And then I do that and then I see some other tweets and then I click on them and I'm like, I've been sitting here for 10 minutes during the workday just looking at Twitter, which is like not cool. Please don't fire me, work people, if you're listening. Um, And it just meant that I could be like, no, you literally the whole day, including your lunch break, are only allowed to spend 10 minutes on like Twitter, Facebook, those things. And then it just times out and goes, no, you can't do this anymore. So I know that's a little bit more of a like, it's kind of a harsher way to do it. And you can still access on your phone and stuff and you might be tempted to, but I find it really helpful for just breaking the automatic cycle of like clicking where I've got Facebook bookmarked or whatever, because I'll just do it completely automatically and not even think about it. And then suddenly I'm just scrolling and I'm like, wait a second, how did I end up here? But if literally you get like an error page when you click, it breaks that kind of- It's like a haze. You're like, yeah. Wait, wait, when did I click on Twitter? Yeah, <laughs> it just it just interrupts it and means that you you don't go into autopilot. That's what I was trying to say. You don't go into autopilot and just end up doing what you always do. I also hid all my social media apps like in deep in the depths of my phone. And it means I have to try to find them kind of, which is a bit weird, but it may, it means that like before they were just on the first page of my phone and now I have to go through like four clicks to get to them. And it meant that I basically stopped going on Facebook and I removed all my bookmarks for Facebook. And I really honestly don't go on there anymore. Like I don't sit and scroll or do anything like that anymore. So it was very effective for me, but that's kind of more about hiding Facebook from yourself in general, not just the stalking issue. And there is also that classic line of like, you're seeing the highlights yeah yeah it's true people's lives look a lot better on social media than they are in real life and there's all this space between like this thing that you see and for your insecurities to kind of swim in there and be like hi we're here (laughs) um but no i think you're right like a lot of it is also taking your that automatic pattern of it away because you're like you're having this automatic habit of like checking social media Mm. then you're factoring in this other automatic like but also kind of personal habit of checking particular people yeah then it's just like habit on habit just gotta break that habit also in reference to the specific problem of like comparing yourself with an ex-girlfriend i feel like it can be really helpful to have like an open conversation with your partner about it open Mm. and honesty and communication which we always talk about because you you kind of often feel like this sort of thing is a shameful secret and that nobody else thinks that way and you're terrible and like everyone else is perfect. But I find that it can be really helpful to just be like, 
hey, I'm having these like insecure feelings about this thing. And often it can make you feel a lot better. I mean, I guess it depends on how tactful your partner is. Because <laughs> if they're like, oh, yeah, she was I've been great. the same. Yeah. Just been like, yeah, I've been comparing you to her all the yeah. time as well. Her hair was better. That wouldn't be particularly helpful. I don't know. It depends on the kind of relationship you have. Hopefully you have one where you could be honest about the fact that you're having like these insecurities and your partner would help you feel better about it. This is great advice. I just think it's terrifying. It is <laughs> terrifying. terrifying. But the thing is, like, the most likely thing that person's going to say is, like, yes, I had a relationship with someone else. Yes, it was good at the time. Like, maybe it wasn't. But, like, your worst nightmare is probably hearing, like, yeah, I loved this other person. They were great. But... Is that the worst nightmare? Or is the worst nightmare being like, yes, I'm getting better together with them? Okay, that's the worst nightmare. <laughs> but I somehow doubt that's going to be the case. So the worst nightmare scenario <laughs> is, like, yes... I had a relationship with someone. It was amazing and wonderful. They were perfect and great. But I am not with them anymore. And there's a reason. Like, I am with you now. And I am, I have, like, chosen to foster a relationship with you. And that's what matters right now. You can't be bogged down by the past. And the problem is that the older we get, the more past everyone has. Oh, it's so true. It's so <laughs> weird. So, like, when you're a teenager, you're, you know, someone's first relationship or first kiss or whatever and then as you get into your early 20s you might be someone's like second big relationship or you know maybe the sixth person they've slept with by the time you're in your kind of mid to late 20s which Rosianna and I are approaching we are we are so true we're in our mid 20s but we are soon to be in our late 20s not yet no um but soon and it just means that everyone's had a lot of relationships and you can't let yourself have they <laughs> lots of people <laughs> not all people all right let me let me rephrase you might be in a relationship with somebody who has had a few relationships in the past and you can't do anything about that and do you really want to waste time in the relationship that you have now worrying about things that don't actually change the relationship you're in now because you know history is history and you probably have a history yourself So, you know, think about how you feel about that and the fact that you are focusing now on this new relationship and that is what the other person is thinking too. So, it all good. Here, here. Should we do another question? Sure, why not? Uh, So this question comes from Philippa. It says, Hi Lex and Rosianna. I am starting uni in September in Plymouth, providing my A-level exams go okay, that is. However, my boyfriend isn't going to uni. So we're going to be long distance and we'll be about two hours away from each other. I was wondering if you had any advice for long-distance relationships in university. I'm looking forward to a fresh start in a new place after living in the same place my whole life. I've heard it might be a good idea for my boyfriend not to come and visit me at uni straight away and should wait, say, a month so I can settle in and make new friends. Do you agree that this is a good idea? Thanks in advance. Looking forward to the return of the podcast. Philippa. I did this. I know you've done long distance. Mm. Um, But I, I did this at university and... Maybe not a whole month. Like, you should focus on spending time with new people and making new friends and not relying on spending time with your boyfriend or have him come up and be, like, the sole focus. You don't want it to be, like, he comes to visit you for the weekend and that means you only spend time with him and it's only your second weekend at uni and everybody else is going out and having these, like, bonding experiences and you're not there. But you also don't want him to feel like you are keeping him really separate from your kind of new life. 
Um, it is quite hard to navigate. I think that I didn't have my boyfriend come visit me for two weeks when I first got to uni. And that felt like quite a long time. So obviously if you're already in a relationship with somebody, my relationship was quite new, but if you're already in like a committed relationship with somebody, then going two weeks without seeing them can be quite tough. And I just think you want to be really careful about, um, yeah, that balance and not making them feel like you are shutting them out of uni life because you know if you want this relationship to keep going and I assume you do then you just have to find a way to kind of integrate them in and maybe have them make short visits at first and make sure that when they visit you are going out with all the people that you want to hang out with still and still trying new things and going to events and just making your boyfriend part of that rather than being like well my boyfriend's here bye guys we're gonna go bowling (laughs) well to be fair oh my god it does sound like a good (laughs) I was actually wondering how long it would take you to bring up bowling. And as you hadn't yet, I brought up bowling. Well, that was good. That was good friendship. Um, <laughs> good friendship advice. Bring up bowling. Um, oh, I think that's really true. I It's so, so hard. I've seen so many... I remember in my uni corridor, there were like four different long distance relationships happening. So I kind of got to observe all these different ways of doing it. And one couple, the boyfriend would come up um, pretty much every weekend and we'd never see her. And it was, and also like it just kind of creates a weird antagonism there. Yeah. Um, But another couple who are now like married and have a beautiful little girl and everything. What? Which is wild. Oh (laughs) my God. But but they've been going out for a long time. Um, Who cares? We're babies. We can't have babies. Babies can't have babies. Yeah. Um, Anyway, so they they were really, it was really nice because I always felt like he was included, but I also didn't feel like it was a barrier between me hanging out with my friend. And um, it was, I don't know, it, it, it is difficult, I think, because that person, if they're not at uni themselves or if they're um, also having to travel quite far as well, mm. I think they want to get there and like see you and spend all the time with you. But I think it's important to like set that precedent that no, like it's part of a, it's part of a uni experience. But then also once you have like included them maybe a little bit more if you, if you want to, um, then it means that the things that you're talking about when you're catching up over Skype or FaceTime or whatever, um, or even just texting, like they have a bit more context for what's going on in your life. I also think that people are really doom and gloom about long distance relationships at uni and people, you will probably get people being like, oh, good luck. That's not going to last. And like, it's not helpful and also not true because as Rosianna said, some people end up married with a baby. With a baby. But like, I... And I had a long distance relationship at uni and it did not break up because it was long distance. It broke up because I fell down the stairs and he didn't come and check if I was okay. <laughs> just a small reason. That was one of the, one of the reasons. Did I tell that story on the podcast already? I, I must have done. It's you, one I of mean... my, my great stories. Oh, um, we're probably going to repeat ourselves loads this season, I realised. Because like we might get similar questions and we just won't remember. And we might like... We're very rusty. Yeah. <laughs> also, we've only lived one life each, you know, up to the age of... Ripe old age of 26. So we don't have that many anecdotes is the problem. Anyway, we need to just have like... Go out and have adventures so we have more mm. anecdotes. That's the real problem. It is really possible to have a good and healthy long distance relationship. Um, And I think that part of that is definitely you also visiting him because there can be a weird kind of power imbalance if someone's always visiting you. And I know that because you're at uni, it'll feel like, well, you've got this whole new life and you've got loads of stuff going on. But like, that doesn't mean that his 
life is not also, you know, full of stuff and things are going on and you need to kind of make sure that you're still making yourself part of that as well as the other way around. My boyfriend who is currently in another room of the flat, so I'm going to keep my voice down and he'll hear this later when he listens to the podcast and he'll hate me. Um, He comes to this flat a lot. Rosianna knows now that she's been living with me. He basically lives here and will live here soon. Um, But it just means that that's kind of one of the things that I think he gets frustrated about is the travel. Like if you're always the one doing the traveling, it's not really fair because you're spending more money and you're spending more time traveling and you're always like on the go. And your stuff isn't in one place. Exactly. Like you have to spread your stuff around. I mean, he's got shampoo in our bathroom now. Spread your stuff around sounds really like... Spread your stuff around. Um... Oh, good luck in your A-levels. Oh, yeah. Good luck. Have they happened? I don't know. I think they're happening. A-levels, eh? Oh, those were the days. A-levels were the last exams that I took where I didn't have to try. And after that, it was a real struggle. Yeah, I really coasted through school up till A-levels. And, like, you know, I still worked. And I still worked hard sometimes. And... I would always memorize my textbooks before exams, which for some reason really worked. I don't have a photographic memory, but I could memorize textbooks, which was very bizarre. And then I got to uni and it turned out that skill didn't help me. <laughs> and I spent all of uni just like, huh? This What's is really on? hard. What? This is difficult. Oh, so have fun with your A-levels. It's all downhill from here. Yeah, they got harder though as well. Because A-levels got harder. Because they got rid of AS levels. Oh, God. That's awful. Yeah. I remember once that someone messaged me to say they'd picked the same A-levels as me. Like, they'd picked their A-levels to be the same as my A-levels. You can't see this because this is an audio media, but my eyes just expanded very large. Yeah, my eyes just went big. (laughs) It was very weird. The thing is, I don't know if they were, like, leaning towards those subjects anyway, but I definitely got, like, a message back in the day when I was still, I think, doing my second year of A-levels and someone was like, I chose the same A-levels as you. And I was like, why? (laughs) What were your A-levels? My A-levels were English, lit. Um, I did art for AS, but I spent more time crying in the toilets than I did standing at the easel. So I quit for A-level because I was meant to do four A-levels and I did three. Um, And I, oh my God, I actually can't remember. Oh, I did film because I was interested in film. And I also did psychology. I really couldn't remember that one. Psychology was really interesting. And it made me feel like smart because I was doing a science subject, even though it was psychology, which most people thought was like a softer science subject. But I think it's fascinating. It also has stats in it, doesn't it? Yeah, it has all sorts of stuff. The moment I saw stats, I was like, hell no. Hell no. But the thing is, now it means that like, I just psychoanalyze myself all the time. (laughs) And I'm like, aha, yes. I know why I'm like this. Yes. Oh God, never Freud. That bastard. Hashtag never Freud. Never Freud. I'm like, oh yes, attachment theory. I see what's gone wrong in my life. (laughs) So this question comes from H who says, Dear Lex and Rosianna, my boyfriend and I recently broke up. He has just moved to Brighton and is finding things difficult with his mental health and says he can't continue with our relationship at the moment. I live in London and up until now we had planned to keep seeing each other after the move and had plans for all the things we wanted to do. Our relationship was super loving and easy, and both of us have made it clear that we still really care about each other and want to remain friends in the future. A part of me is still hanging on and hopes that we might get back together. How do I stop thinking this? I want to move on and know it's important to give him space to work on himself, but can't help clinging on to this relationship. Thank you. Very happy to have you both back in my earbuds. H. Back in the earbuds. <laughs> I think there are two, you, you have two breakups when you break up with somebody because you have the actual breakup where you have the conversation, which is horrible, 
obviously. But then you have the second breakup, which happens just for you. Because unless you are the one doing the breaking up and you're like, thank God I'm well shot of that relationship. Bye. Like, which doesn't often happen. Because most of the time, even if you are the one doing the breaking up, you still have a bit of an emotional connection to that person. So it's difficult. Um, But you have a conversation, you go away from it. And yeah, often you can't really let go of the relationship yet or you can't face the reality yet that it's over. Because especially if you've been with someone for a while or you see them all the time, it's such a weird... Breakups are so weird because you go from seeing somebody all the time and they're like the closest person to you and you speak, you know, sometimes all day, every day or you live together or whatever. And then suddenly all communication is cut and there's just not many things that happen to you in life like that, apart from like literally when someone dies. So you kind of go through a weird mourning process and the first stage of which is often denial. Um, And I know that definitely the last breakup I went through, I was, I just had these bizarre phases that I went through with coping with it, even though I was the one who ended it because it was just really tough. And yeah, there was a gap between the actual breakup. And then I think it was a month later where it suddenly hit me like, oh, this is an actual breakup because I had to let go and do what you're asking about and just be like, this isn't happening anymore. And for me, I actually had a really helpful conversation with my recent ex, which really solidified that. Um, Because you're kind of thinking, what if this? What if this gets fixed? What if this happens? And I was thinking that all the time and I stupidly texted him multiple times actually i texted him a couple of times and then the last time i texted him he did the most helpful thing which was incredibly hurtful at the time obviously but i basically had like been up all night hadn't slept had been crying just like there's a way we can fix this even though i mean there just wasn't and i texted him to say like hey do you think there's a way that this can be fixed like all the things i was thinking i just put i just put in a text to him and he replied and just was like I don't think that's a good idea. So no. And that was, I mean, that was what I needed to hear because I was so, I mean, I got that reply in a meeting at work and I was just like, my whole body just like shut down because I was so upset. But I really needed that brutal, like, this isn't happening. And if you, I mean, I don't want to recommend that you get that from the other person because they might not, they, you know, they might not help. They might be like, oh, maybe in the future. And you have to let go of that hope. So you might just have to have that talk with yourself or discuss it with a friend. Because I also had a friend of mine being like, you are being ridiculous. Stop. It is not happening. And like, that also was pretty helpful. Get a friend to dress up as them. (laughs) Yeah, get a friend to role play. Have that conversation with them. (laughs) Tell them beforehand exactly what you need to hear. Yeah. I know it's really hard. And you, especially like when when you're in a fresh breakup, you literally can't imagine ever being happy again. And you can't imagine being with anybody else. And you can't imagine a moment where it's not going to be hideously painful. And this feels weirdly fresh to me because um, I had a dream that my boyfriend cheated on me. And I actually went through all the emotions of a breakup in the dream that I had before I woke up and recorded this podcast. And it, okay, this is ridiculous, but basically it feels really fresh. It feels like I'm talking about a recent breakup because I just, I just broke up with my boyfriend guys. It was in my dream, but still it was very real. And I just, that intense feeling of like that, just like burning, horrible, like, I don't even, it's just like anguish. The only, I just looked Rosianna really intensely in the eyes and said, anguish. <laughs> I was like, 
Alas, poor Yorick. Really. Yeah, but it is. It's just like, oh, it's just this heart-wrenching, like, it just feels like your whole, all your organs have turned to, like, hot liquid or something. It is awful. <laughs> I'm not really helping, am I? Like, your life's awful right now <laughs> and will continue to be. Um, but, yeah, you just have to have that moment where you go, this is it, and let it go. And I don't know what you need personally to achieve that, but you have to have that cut-off moment of, like, this is it. And you got to just let go. you got to let go. Even if it's in your dream. Even if it's in your dream. I didn't really let go in my dream because I hadn't had time to process. Mm. Um, and then my dream did that thing where you wake up in the dream. So you're like, oh, I've woken up. Thank God it was all a dream. And then I called my boyfriend to be like, oh my God, I had this horrible nightmare that we broke up. And he was like, well, we did because I cheated on you. 25 times 25 yeah i don't know why in the dream i was like tell me how many times it was and he was like hmm well it was with eight people it was 25 separate times and i was like holy shit and i'm still mad at him this is really bad i know how could he do that to me in my dream I'm thinking of that episode of Friends and Phoebe's yeah, Mad at Dream. Yeah, exactly. It's like, oh, I remember when we were playing chess on the frozen lake and you said I was boring. And then you took off your energy mask and you were Cameron Diaz. I think that's the exact line. I really have to stop watching so much. F-R-I-E-N-D-S. Um, oh, boy. Dreams really mess you up like that, though, don't they? Oh, they really do. I've had some, like... My dreams are so graphic. Oh, no. They're usually about being murdered. Oh, my God. Um, you feel the full emotion. Yeah. That's the thing. Like, it's so insane to me that, like, you feel the full... Because, yeah, like, if someone's chasing you and trying to kill you, you feel as if you genuinely are being chased and, like, killed. You oh. must wake up in the morning with, like, adrenal fatigue from all night being like, oh, my God, I'm dying. Although it's probably not all night. It's probably, I was like, a split say, second. Seven seconds at most. Is that what a dream is? Yeah, usually. <gasps> I think. I read that once. Oh my god, that's really messed me up. Yeah. The dream I had last night, you know, the cheating dream, that <gasps> went on forever. That was like a week of my life. I like went back to my parents' house, was sleeping there, like it, oh. Did I tell on the uh, previous podcast, the Project for Awesome special that we did, did I talk about how I had a dream recently that I was... Um, like in flagrante with random flowers and then <laughs> you did not I tell this story i'm sorry i wish everyone could see the dance you just did when you said <laughs> in flagrante i can't even say it um and i just started telling him facts about himself While like you were having wikipedia like wikipedia level facts and he was like dumb. i was like you have all these brothers and you have blah, blah, blah. and i was like oh it's just very bad while you were yes intimate yes you were <laughs> i was literally like reciting his wikipedia page Maybe that like, would... you grew up in Nephi. <laughs> That'll probably get some guys off, though. Oh, it's worrying. You know so much about me. You've done your research. That's right, yeah. I am the important one here. But then otherwise, I'm just getting murdered left, right, and centre. <laughs> From people I know. Those are Lexus two... killed me so many times. Am I really? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's coming. We live together now. I've got such easy access. Uh, it's usually on a moor. There's lots of other ones. I had, you know, Chad Michael Murray's sex dreams. <laughs> what? Yeah. What year is this? No, not recently. I was going to say. Yeah. And then also, um, <laughs> everyone's least favorite, but my favorite Gilmore Girls character, Matt Zucri as Logan. I mean, he's hot, right? And like, I've seen him in some other things recently, or like, not other things. I've seen him in some trailers for other things. <laughs> I haven't actually watched them. And I'm like, I mean, yeah, you're hot. But Rosianna, he just... Oh, wait. Spoilers for Gilmore Girls, if anyone's not watched to the end. Just skip forward, like, 15 seconds. 
he like the main the main problem with Logan is he's becoming great and everything's fine. He's being really supportive. He's being the perfect boyfriend. And then he, the proposal's insane. Mm. It just comes out of nowhere and it's obviously not what she would want. And it's actually lazy writing, I think. I, that's what I was going to say. I don't think that's Logan, the character, his independent self-spot. Well, I think that's his writing, his writing overlords. Yeah, it's really bad writing. I They're hate like, it. We have to wrap up this season with a proposal. Yeah. I actually hate it when people just go like, oh, I'm just going to do a complete 180 on this character because yeah. it doesn't fit with the narrative that I want right now. Because you're like, oh, but this person had redeemed themselves or they'd like gone on this journey and now suddenly you make them crap just because you like want to get rid of them. I actually remember the Princess Diaries books. They did the exact same thing where like... So annoying. They made Michael bad and they made this new guy good. And then literally the next book started with the new guy being terrible and... JP. Like, yeah. And JP was suddenly evil. And you were like, you just spent the whole last book building up what a nice person he is. And suddenly he's evil. I mean, we've really gone off on a There was also here. a proposal there as well. I mean, she also started eating meat again at the end of The Princess Diaries. And I've That's never. That's really the thing that you're so I angry have about. never felt so betrayed in my life, even in the cheating dream last night. I think we've gotten slightly off topic. <laughs> have we? Good luck with your breakup. It's very hard yeah. and sad. And there is no getting around the fact that it's hard and sad, but it obviously does get better. And I think you just need to go cold turkey. You need to cut yourself off and say, this relationship is over. And listen to a lot of Red by Taylor Swift, maybe a little 1989 and uh, Melodrama by Lord if you really want to get in there. Oh yeah, that's true. I also really like to watch Gossip Girl anytime I go through a breakup. I don't know why, it's just so vapid that it kind of like soothes my soul. Okay, so we have a new segment, which... It's like kind of stolen from other podcasts, but like all podcasts basically do the same thing. So everything's stolen from other podcasts, really. It's like there's no new music. It's impossible to write new music because everything's already been written. So everything's just like elements of other things. Anyway, I'm going to stop making excuses now. Um, Our new segment doesn't really have a good name. So if any of you guys have suggestions for names, please tweet at me or Rosianna or at Make Out With Him. Because right now it's called Questions From Around the Internet. It's a terrible title. It's a terrible title. What I've done is that I've gone around like forums and um, and like Yahoo and like other places where people ask questions, um, including like the girl.com forums, which I used to spend a lot of time on when I was a kid. Um, and I found some questions that people have about like romance or friendship or whatever. And we're going to answer them and we're going to have more of a free discussion about them, I think, because we are not directly answering a person who has written into the podcast. So we don't have to feel guilty if our advice veers off the beaten track. The first one I I found on Yahoo. Why can't people just accept the fact that love, in brackets, romance, doesn't exist? While I believe that platonic love exists, I just don't see how the love called romance, a so-called special type of love that can only be shared by two people, could exist. I mean, girlfriends and boyfriends and wives and husbands, which, like, is very heteronormative, thanks, Yahoo question answer, um, always seem to argue with each other a lot. And also, a lot of people in romantic relationships always seem to cheat on their partner <laughs> with someone else. Who do you hang out with, friend? And, uh, and also, romantic relationships usually seem to end in breakups and divorces. Well, there's only two options, really. Like, you stay together or you break up. So, yeah, it would seem like a lot end in breakups. Anyway. Everything ends in death. Yeah, that's true. The ultimate breakup with everything. I think that I think the romance love doesn't exist at all. It's just another term for lust. <laughs> the whole time I was reading this, I just kept thinking of the line from the West Wing. What the hell kind of dates are you going on, Oliver? <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is... Okay, actually, I think this person has a point 
even though they've asked it in the weirdest way, <laughs> like they've been really aggressive and they're, they're obviously just trying to be like, people only ever feel lust. There's no such thing as a relationship that's based on love, which is nonsense. Um, I think that like, it's kind of true that this idea of like romance and like falling in love doesn't really exist. Okay. I don't know. <laughs> like, don't look at me. Jesus. Yeah. Okay. Here's my, here's my hypothesis. That's not what I mean, is it? Okay, I did psychology. <laughs> um, I think that you form a connection with somebody like you do with anybody. So like the kind of platonic love, I think it's all the same love. It's attachment, right? So you spend more time with somebody, you get more attached to them. And especially if you have like positive um, associations with them because you get on or they're like really nice or they've taken care of you in some way, you form an attachment and you feel you form that with anyone that's not a romantic thing that's just you know that's just how love works um and i think that when it comes to romantic relationships all it is is you're forming that same attachment with somebody but you are also like attracted to them and you are also you know maybe you want to bone them if you're into boning you want to attach in different ways yes you want to attach your nether regions to each other or whichever regions you'd like to attach this is like audio porn we're so sexy when we talk especially when i do this voice when i do this voice <laughs> mm, attach your genitals to each other um anyway so it's okay so, right it's so the point this isn't a very well-formed point but the point i'm making is that it's just regular attachment but then you also feel some kind of attraction and i don't think the attraction part is like love or romantic love. I think that part of it is just like, yeah, there are things about them, whether that's their personality or their physical appearance or, you know, the way they dance in the moonlight. There's something very good dancing. Grande. <laughs> She's doing her Inflagrande dance again. I'm very upset. Um, like whatever it is, there's some kind of extra element that means that you want to be in a romantic relationship with them. And romance itself, like doesn't come into a lot of relationships because what we think of as romance is traditional like i buy you flowers and we go out for a nice meal and stuff and that's just a preference of like behavior there's this thing called the five love languages have you done that yeah yeah so it's like the line the different love languages are like um gift giving uh like quality time words of affirmation yeah words of affirmation acts of service and there's another one that I can't remember. Touch. Yes, physical touch. And it's like, you have to rank, well, you, you answer a questionnaire. You can do it for free if you want to do it. It's quite interesting. And it tells you like what's important to you in a relationship. So for me, getting gifts is pretty low, but surprisingly enough, physical touch is like also not super high. I think it was like maybe third. Could it even be fourth? What we think of as romance is very different person to person. And it's probably not the traditional romance of like, mm, yes, flowers and let's go out to dinner. It's like what you think of as like a, you know, a romantic thing to do. So if, if you are really into quality time, it would be a romantic thing to do to be like, I've cleared the weekend, let's hang out together. I have said I'm in love and felt that I'm in love because I do feel that. Like I feel that I love somebody and I also am romantically interested in them. And to me, that is being in love, but there's no specific actual feeling. Oh my God, I'm just monologuing. I'll let you speak in a minute. <laughs> there's no specific feeling that actually is being in love. That is a thing that we kind of, is it made up of lots of different factors. And often people are like, oh, I expect to be hit with this sudden feeling, or I expect to feel this specific thing, but it's not that. I agree in part. I also think though it's a large, 
part of language, how language works and how language tries to express and words try to express something that is nebulous and isn't universal, but we try to find something universal or monolithic about it in order to connect with each other and feel less lonely in this isolated vacuum of space in which we find ourselves. (laughs) So (laughs) I think that part of like, yeah, the problems with the way we talk about love and romance and then also in which that's like capitalized on literally, um, is because we are actually trying to find this connection, but we find that it's quite fraught because we, even though have some kind of common experiences, whether that's nature or nature or otherwise, like we are different people. So we find all these like fracturings and like, you know, like this nice Yahoo answer question asker, um, (laughs) something about it like doesn't sit right with them. Um, And I think that's just because language is fallible and expression is fallible. Um, and as you said, like there is no one thing about anything that we do. <laughs> like there's no like one experience and, and falling in love the way it's been spoken about. Um, yeah, it doesn't seem like it's like a, um, if it seems like an on and off switch a lot of the time, the way we talk about it. I think you're right. Cause like when I say there's no falling in love feeling, what I mean is like, people expect there to be because of the way we talk about it and it is like a language thing like you say like oh I've fallen in love and then people maybe who haven't had that feeling or who aren't sure if they've had that feeling are like but what's in love like how do you yeah what what is the universal experience of being in love there just isn't one that's the magical thing it's just about this beautiful vacuum we find ourselves in but you know I, I mean I get it also I think when you see like the, the whole idea of romancing, sometimes you're like, oh, it's so shallow, especially when it's like presented in these very repetitive, often heteronormative, wealthy ways. Yeah, it's so, very commercialized, isn't it? Mm-hmm. So, well, you know, we're the first people to ever talk about the commercialization of love. So, I know. <laughs> congratulations to us. Groundbreaking. Groundbreaking. Give us the Nobel Prize for podcasts. What Nobel Prize could we win with this podcast? Peace. Peace. Because <laughs> the other ones are all like really specific, aren't they? Like literature. literature. <laughs> Do you think we could? This is, I mean, this is a text. Anything that's got words in it is a text. It doesn't even need to have words. Oh, really? Mm. Oh my God, it's been so long since I was at uni. What constitutes a text? Is it just like a piece of work? A thing you study. <laughs> it's kind of Really? That's kind of what, what we took it to be. Oh, nice. Um, I think we've rambled on for long enough for one so. podcast. Let's so, do another. Just kidding. <laughs> nah, nah, nah. Um, thank you for coming back. If you are back or hello, if you're new, this might be slightly confusing. Mostly just the references to bowling and Runal Waslib. But we didn't have that many inside jokes though. No, that's true. We need to foster more inside jokes. Yeah. If you have ideas for inside jokes, email yeah. us. <laughs> Make <laughs> out with him at gmail.com. Please include your pronouns. Um, seriously though, do email us because we need questions. And we, otherwise we have no podcast. (laughs) This is true. And we'll just make them up. And they'll all be about bowling. Yeah. Thank you so much to everybody who supported our Patreon, especially while we were gone, because we still had running costs while we were gone. You have to keep paying, what is it? It's like SoundCloud Pro, right? SoundCloud Pro, yeah. So you have to pay SoundCloud Pro all the time, even when you're not actively making podcasts. So yeah, thank you so much for supporting us on Patreon, because, you know... It's literally just paying the running costs of this podcast. And if 
you want to support us on Patreon, please do. We will become more active on the Patreon. We still owe everybody a playlist, which should yes. hopefully be there by the time this is up. And thanks so much to Orla Garland for creating our theme music, which you can hear throughout this pod. Orla has some new music coming out at the moment, so go check her out. Woo! Yeah, she has a single called I Go Crazy, and it's very good, and I'm seeing her in gig soon. In so gig. am I! Oh my god, Shocking. high five. <laughs> so weird. Bye! 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 <laughs>